Father, our Heavenly Father, our dear Heavenly Father, Lord, we have so many needs in our lives today that as we come before you, Lord, we ask that you would hear our prayers. Lord, we don't always understand your perfect will. Sometimes we question what is being done. Sometimes we argue and are not satisfied with what you allow us to go through. Lord, we like wonderful days. We don't really appreciate days of trials. Lord, we like things happy and wonderful and without trouble. And we fail to realize that you have called us into a life of discipleship. Lord, today, in a special way, as we bow in your presence, we bring Brother Philip Kempudu before you and Sister Aziman. Lord, we know there comes a time in every one of our lives where we must come to the end and we must run the last mile of the race. But, oh, Father, we need your grace through these times of trials. And today we pray that your hand will reach down to Philip. In his bed of affliction, Father, I pray that you would touch him. Touch his mind and his spirit, Father. Oh, Lord, we wish for a miracle. We wish for something tremendous to happen that he can rise up and be healed of that condition in his body. But, Lord, if this is the time for him to go home, like it would happen to every one of us, we pray that you'll give him grace to endure these last moments of his life. If you would not raise him up, Lord, we pray that you'll strengthen his faith and touch Sister Aziman, Lord, and strengthen her body and her mind. She is one of the disciples of this ministry, Father. And he is a follower, O oh God. And we pray you'll be with them and strengthen them. Even so, Lord, we pray for every child of God that's a part of this assembly. We pray you'll touch them, Father. Touch their minds. Touch their hearts. Strengthen our faith. Bless his service, we ask. We thank you, Father, for your Son, our Lord Jesus. And for the wonderful example he has set to us. Please give us of his spirit. In Jesus' name we ask these mercies. Amen and amen. Let's all be seated. It's a quarter past ten o'clock. And as I listened to the news this morning, it says, Snow will start at ten o'clock. And in my heart, I said, okay, that's when church starts. And then, what will be the next announcement? On Wednesday, just about late in the afternoon, more snow will happen. I said, well, what's new? See, the negatives God give us is not to cause us to hibernate. The negatives are designed to strengthen our faith and confidence. And that's how I have faced life over the years. Um, when I see a challenge, I face it. Sometimes 
I can go through with strength and defeat the ne negatives, and sometimes it pushes me in a corner. But today, I'm glad to be in church. The Word of God tells us in Malachi that the priest's lips should keep knowledge. And they that seek the law should seek it at his mouth. Um, there might come a time when the Bible is abolished. If Jesus does not come in the next 20 years, that time might be sooner than, it, than you ever would even think of. Because this book that I have in front of me has enough materials inside People would come against this Bible for every reason. And they can brand it as hate literature. What a strange society we live in. Well, I'll tell you what. You take all of these books, all the copies of the Bible, and destroy them. I can still preach the Word of God because it's down here. Over these years, I've made sure that the Word of God is down here in my life. I have this book in front of me for your benefit. And I hope that is why when I stand to my feet, I hope that you can listen with your hearts rather than your ears. Because that will save us. The church is designed to change our lives. And that is why I'm so thankful to God for our Lord Jesus. Recently, we have had messages where we talk about discipleship, and uh, the last message I uh, preached in this assembly, it might have been Wednesday night, was Jesus, the perfect, perfect example of discipleship. Because if we're to follow Jesus, uh, you know, one of the trying statements I made, I'm coming back to that half a statement I just made, but one of the trying statements I made, I said, if I'm your teacher, then you should be my disciples. Yes. He said, disciple is not someone dedicated to God. No, disciple is a taught one. Yes, Any teacher that has students, the students are indirectly his disciples. Where church is concerned, it's a little more intricate and a little more uh, demanding uh, discipleship is a little more demanding because if you're my my disciples and I preach the word of God to you then you ought to obey my commandments that is the commandments of God I pass on to you follow me as I follow Christ Amen. when I stop following Christ stop following me you understand what I'm saying and that is what Jesus did and so Wednesday night, I showed how Jesus followed the instructions of his father. And he was the best example of discipleship. He left the glory and pomp and power of heaven. And he took on him the form of a human being and became a servant. Isn't that what Paul says? Paul said that in, in Philippians, the second chapter. I've got my, bi my Bible open already before me. But in the second chapter of Philippians, Paul says in verse 5, he says, Let this mind be in you, which was also 
in Christ Jesus. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. And the King James translators put it like this, who being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God. I'm glad I have an Oxford Bible that it corrects where the King James translators twisted the translation. And the Oxford Bible says, who being, who counted not equality with God, something to be grasped at. And when you use that translation, it matches the rest of the chapter. The King James Version, for that one verse, distorts the whole, the rest of the chapter. It puts it out of line. It makes him some exalted person. Jesus was not exalted. And so it reads like this, let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God, creator, thought not equality with God, something to be grasped at, it should read, what, if, what he did, he made himself of no repetition. So if I were to maintain the King James translation, who being in the form of God, thought not robbery to be equal with God, verse 7 does not fit in. Because if he wanted to be equal with God, it would not fit in. Because verse 7 says, he emptied himself of his reputation. He made himself of no reputation. When we understand Jesus and who he is, and today I like to talk a little bit about who he really is in a different aspect. Because in the world, Jesus is lifted very high. His name is lifted, uh, his personality is talked about, and the historic Jesus seemed to be the reason why we have so many denominations. The real Jesus would not be the reason. The real Jesus, I'd like to share with you a little bit about the real Jesus. Because we could be following the wrong Jesus. Paul made that statement when he wrote to the church at Corinth. He says, um, uh, let me find that here. I don't want to scatter your hand too much. But in 2 Corinthians 11, Paul says, If there come any, come any, come any unto you. Um, let me find it here. Verse, uh, chapter 11. He says, for he, verse 4. He says, if he that cometh preacheth another Jesus. How many Jesuses they got? Depends. The Seventh-day Adventist has a Jesus that tells them they must keep the Sabbath holy. The Jehovah's Witness have a different Jesus that says, their Jesus said, pray to the Father and don't call him Father, call him Jehovah. The Assemblies of God, Jesus, tell them there's three in the Godhead. And Jesus is the Father, and the Father is Jesus, and Jesus is the Holy Ghost, and the three are all mixed up. So when Jesus said, our Father, he's talking to himself. That's confusion. The oneness, or apostolic church, believes that the one Jesus becomes the Father, and he becomes the Son, and he becomes the Holy Ghost. Many Jesuses in the world. But there is only one Jesus. And if you and I sitting here today in this church and listening to me online is following the wrong Jesus, your life would not develop the right spirit of Jesus. 
Today, I'd like to show you a little bit about Jesus. First verse, Philippians. He humbled himself. Uh, that's what Paul says, right? In verse chapter 2 and verse 7. He made himself of no repetition and took upon him the form of a servant. Everybody in this church says servant. servant. See, servanthood is a description of the spirit of Christ. To become great and powerful and wonderful in the eyes of man is contrary to the spirit of Jesus. Whether you're a preacher or you're a saint in the congregation, the spirit of Jesus is teaching us humility, how to humble yourself and become a servant. Before Elisha could take over the ministry of Elijah, Elisha had to be a servant to Elijah. Before Timothy could take over from Paul and help the work of God on, he had to be a servant. Amen. Before Joshua could lead Israel, the nation of Israel, into a period that there was no sin and transgression and they served God, he had to serve Moses. And they are individuals that God will never take them through a period of servanthood. Where is saying, have you gone through a period of servanthood? Faithfully. I served every one of my pastors. When I was there, I served my pastors. And when I was not around, I served them still to the best of my ability. And so when you understand the spirit of Jesus, he became a servant and was made in the likeness of man who he created. Verse 8, and being found in the fashion as a man, what he did, he humbled himself. Humility and the spirit of Jesus goes hand in hand. Superiority and human acclamation or human credibility or human fame and popularity is contrary to the spirit of Jesus. And that is why when God is to use a man, he order, in order for him to develop the right spirit, God must empty him of all that society has placed into him. In our age and the day we are living in, uh, whether you're in Gospel Assembly Church or any other church, men feel like they need some degree. They need to go study in a Bible seminary and get a degree from an apostate institution in order to uh, hold a position in the ministry. You're doing exactly the opposite that God was doing to the men that he was preparing for the ministry. Amen. Ever so often I talk to the congregation and ever so often I drop something for ministers that might listen to this message. And for a man to be used of God, he's got to empty himself. Of what the world has placed in his life. Of what his human nature has placed in his life. And a lot of other things. Paul was a classic example. 
And Paul, seeing we're in Philippians, you might as well just skip over here to chapter 3. And Paul, in talking about his desire to understand Jesus and to follow Jesus, he made a statement here in chapter 3. And he says, yea, doubtless, verse um, 7, what things were gained to me, <clears throat> that is, being a Pharisee, uh, being a renowned man among the religious element of his time. He says, what things were gained to me, those I counted loss for Christ. Sometimes it becomes necessary to take your certificate of notoriety and popularity and fame and honor and hang it aside and said God flush me cleanse me take me through a process that would eliminate like you did the Egyptian mentality from Moses take me through that the Egyptian mentality that I have might be eliminated any man, no apologies to this statement, any man that is in Gospel Assembly Church that feel they need to go to a Bible school or a Bible seminary is going to take on the spirit of Egypt. And it's okay for the world out there. It's okay for organizations out there. But if you're to be a part of the body of Christ, you don't take on... What God wants to eliminate. You don't put titles behind your name because you're a preacher. In front of it or behind it. You die to self. Let's understand Jesus a little bit here. And Paul in saying this uh, concerning Christ. He says, uh, uh, what things were gained to me? Those I suffered, counted lost. For who? For Christ. Yea, doubtless, I count all things but loss. Why, Paul? You're going to be a loser? No. For the excellency. See, what man sees as honorable, God sees as junk. And what man sees as junk, God sees, sees as excellency. And Paul says, for the excellency of the knowledge... Of Christ Jesus my Lord. What a man. He didn't look to Jesus as a servant. Who emptied himself. He saw Jesus. As an opportunity. That if I can develop his spirit. In my life. It's an excellent opportunity. Amen. He says for the excellency. Of the knowledge. Of Christ Jesus my Lord. For whom. I am prepared now. I suffered the loss. You know what? I don't know how many years Paul went to Pharisee Seminary. I don't know how many years he sat under the uh, tutorship or the instruction of Gamaliel, renowned teacher of the Jews. But whatever he had, he had to give it up. And until Paul came to the place of giving that up, he was held in bondage to the elements of this world and apostate religion of his time. 
He says, I suffer the loss of all things and do condemn but dung. Uh, that's the best word he could have used in his time. Let's face the facts and let's face the reality. What Paul flushed. It'll be sad that ministers today are seeking and dedicating their life to accomplish. And that's okay, because there are organizations that you can, you can lead, and there are blind people that you can give instructions to. And I hope that as I speak to this church, you're not numbered among the non-elect. By the time this lesson is over, you'll know what I'm talking about. And so Paul says that I may, he says, that I'm being found not having my own righteousness or that which I put on or that which tradition has allowed me to put on or that which my forefathers taught me was holiness, the putting on of stuff. He says, not having that righteousness which is of the law, but that which is through faith of Christ, the righteousness which is of God by faith. He says that I might know him. Question, do you know Jesus? Big question. Well, I know him. No, you don't. Paul was not talking about the historic Jesus and an understanding of who he was in, him, in history. Every Muslim understands him, who he was. Every Hindu who knows who he was. Every atheist knows who Jesus was. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about a statement Jesus made in Matthew 7 when he says, Many shall come to me in that day saying, Lord, Lord, we have prophesied in your name. We held church in your name. We were in services where your name was pr promoted. And Jesus would put him aside and says, I never knew you. I thought he's omniscient. I thought he knows all things. No, no. This is a personal experience and a personal encounter. Amen. And many, many, everybody say many. many. We say, Lord, Lord, we did a lot of things. We got goosebumps. We felt your spirit. Last week I showed you a scripture in Isaiah. It was where God says you're covered with a covering, but that's not my spirit. When you say the spirit is moving, make sure you're not lying on God. When the spirit moves, it changes lives. Individuals are converted. And the spirit of Jesus is quite different than every other spirit. And Paul says that I may know him. I pray every day, oh God, help me to know your son. For God so loved the world, he sent his only begotten son. That whosoever might know him, 
might have everlasting life. Not the historic Jesus. Have an experience with Christ where he changes your life. That's why we have a church. Not to entertain you. But to give your word to God to save you. My desire is that you have a relationship with, with God. When I tell you be my disciple. is This is what I want you to do. Have a relationship with Christ. Pursue the goals that I set before you. He goes on he says. That I might know him. And the power of the resurrection. And the fellowship of his. Now hold on. The fellowship of his suffering. You know, well, you know, Jesus is Lord. Come on, hold on a minute. Who was the historic Jesus that we want to look at a little bit today? If we understand the historic Jesus a little bit, we'll understand what kind of spirit he had and how he was received in his own generation. See, John made a statement. He came on to his own. And his own, the elect, sort of, the nation called of God, the Jews, they had not received him. They rejected my Jesus. And I pray that God would save the Jews as a nation. Until that time. I pray and I look and see what will happen. And Paul says that I understand his suffering. I see Paul, before I move over to Isaiah, Paul in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, he makes a statement like this. And these are my champions. Paul is one of my champions in the Bible. My champions all died. And one day... I'll join the group. Until that day, I have a gospel to preach. And, and Paul writes here, he says, for 17, chapter 1, he says, Christ, that's the Lord Jesus, did not send me to baptize, but to preach the gospel, not with the wisdom of man's words. And a lot of times I listen to my own message and hear wrong grammar. Wrong pronunciation. And I don't want that to change. I want them to remain just there. That's what he's got. As a part of me. And I appreciate. The way God has led me. And he goes on here. He says. Verse 11. Verse 18. For the preaching of the cross. I am Paul says I'm preaching a cross. What is the cross? Self-denial, taking up your cross and following the Lord is discipleship. The preaching of the cross is how Christ can save you and put you on a path of discipleship. I preach the cross. And to them that perish, it is foolishness. See, this message I'm putting to you today, it's for those whose God has touched your mind and your God's elect. It's not for everybody. I told somebody the other day that um, was ready to convert the whole world. I said, I'm not here to convert the whole world. 
I'm here to preach to the elect, to God's children. And to those that God brings along my path, I'll preach. And those that depart, what can I do? And so, in Isaiah, to look at Christ a little more, Isaiah make a statement as to who Jesus is. In Isaiah chapter 53, Isaiah chapter 53, Isaiah describes him like this. I just want uh, one verse. Verse 3. He is despised, Jesus. Question. Was he despised when he came to the nation of Israel 2,000 years ago? Yes. Can I hear you? Yes. 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 Was he rejected 2,000 years ago? Yes. yes. And in today's world, everyone that preaches contrary to what he wants is despising him. And rejecting him while they're shouting in the name of Jesus. Many casting out devils and seeing miracles. Has denied him and rejected him. By going contrary to what he wants in the path of discipleship. See the devil has more disciples on this planet than God has. That is why when Jesus came he, was ended, he ended up with 12 disciples and he said to them, he says, fear not, little flock. Brother Sam used that scripture last night. Fear not, little flock. Isaiah said, except the Lord of Sabbath, Sabbath, has left us a small remnant or a remnant, we would have been like unto Sodom and Gomorrah. Because every time... God sent a prophet. It was because God's people were in rebellion. When Isaiah came, they were in rebellion. In the days of Moses, they were in rebellion. In the days of Jeremiah, they were in rebellion. In the days of every one of the prophets, minor and major prophets, Ezekiel, they were in rebellion. And I'm trying to find out when there weren't any rebellion. And then Paul came and Jesus came and started the church and Paul followed in and churches were built. And while the apostle Paul was alive, and God knows why he kept him alive to finish the work in his life, he saw Galatia, all the churches of Galatia go under and they turn against him. He saw Corinth go under and turn against him. He says, am I become your enemy because I'm telling you the truth? Am I become your enemy because I tell you the truth? I received a beautiful letter from a sister <clears throat> that followed me on Facebook. If Brother, Phillips, for Brother Philip Kempadu dies, they're expecting me to do the funeral. So there we go. We got to get our suitcase ready and travel anytime. God helping us next weekend. Uh, we would have a 20, uh, 43rd anniversary weekend.
And I told Sister Nadine, I said, uh, when we, I told her to send out messages, and I told her this morning while I was praying, I felt we needed to change that. Because we needed to change this big flamboyant thing that anniversary weekend is about, putting a preacher on a pedestal, you know, worshiping them a little. Uh, we need to change that. If you appreciate what we have done in your life over the past years, write us and let us know. If you don't have messenger that you can write us a private letter, then write, get a little card somewhere, a dollar for one in Dollarama, get a little card or a piece of paper and write and say what you like, and I keep those things. I got boxes with old letters. I got letters from Tara when she was a kid. I got letters from you when you were a kid, when you were teaching Andrew and charging a penny for our education. Yeah, I remember. I got letters, all kinds of letters I keep, because that tells me that what you, what's in your heart. And I got this letter from a sister that followed us faithfully on Facebook. And she felt like the day she got in touch with us and was able to get a part of the message that a conversion process started in her life. And then suddenly she went out of existence. And then recently she got back and she says, I don't care, I'm back on Facebook. You know why she got off? She was being persecuted for following a man that we don't know where he gets his message from. Listen, there's no book I get my message from. I don't go to a cult and get my message. I get my message when I stand up here most of the time. And my source is up there. And even if I make a statement or do something that seems contrary, I question, Lord, why did I say that? And there's a purpose behind it. I have learned that God never fails. And there are individuals in this church, I'd like to say thank you, and next week I'll do that. But this sister got back in, and she says, she's back on Facebook in spite of whatever. And there are individuals like that around the world, and here Isaiah tells about Jesus. He was despised and rejected of men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief, and we hid Isaiah says, he's talking on, from his perspective for the nation of Israel. They hid, as it were, their faces from him. So not only Israel was always in apostasy and in rebellion and iniquity took over the nation, but the early church, Lystra, Iconium, Derby, Antioch, Corinth, and before you know it, some of the other churches, Thessalonica, became worldly. And it's sad that when this man of God was ready to die, talk about a man that wanted to enjoy or appreciate the suffering of Christ being made conformable to his death. Paul was. And he saw the greatest rejection in his time where all the churches he labored to start turned against him. You know why? Because the people were blind. If you're not converted, you'll turn against me. If you're possessed, you'll turn against me. 
because one day I'll step on your demon. My job is to preach a gospel and present a message that will clear your life of every, every demonic activity, every misconception, everything contrary to God. He was despised and rejected, Luke chapter 1. I've got a few minutes left, so let me look at a few scriptures. Luke chapter 4. Jesus here. Uh, what, how did he live? What, what happened to him? Luke chapter 4 is a popular scripture of mine. Because Jesus fasted 40 days. He came into the temple. He took right into the temple. Praise God. The body of Moses. But Jesus was not a popular man because he did not dance to the music of apostate religion in his time. His own brothers in the Gospel of John and his own family came against him. And they wish he was out of tongue when they had a meeting. See, out of the spirit of Jesus, rejection is a part of it. Woe unto you when all men speak good of you. When everybody wants you to go talk in their meeting, you want to know what you're telling them. When everyone wish you would not show up, you still have a possibility of hope. And Jesus came and he stood up there and he talked about the Spirit of the Lord is upon me. In Luke chapter 4 and verse 18, he quoted from Isaiah. And it's 661. Beautiful. And then he turned and told them that today is this scripture fulfilled in your ears. I, I knew he was wise enough to know that he felt their spirit. And they listened to him. He says it fulfilled in your ears, not hearts. Ears. See, that's as far as the word of God goes in some people's lives. Ears. Mm -hmm. And when he was done, here's what a, uh, Luke writes. And all bear him witness, verse 22, how with gracious words proceeded out of his mouth. And he started to talk and they said, it's not this Joseph's son? Huh? What do you think he is? See, the greatest enemies to missions are prejudice and indifference. When people knew who you are, you know the Lord gave me my name, last name is Singh, for a reason. And I would not have been surprised if he had a turban on my head, for a reason. He made me brown for a reason. Greatest enemies to missions is when you know the man that's preaching. Is not this Joseph's son? What do you think he is? Today is the scripture fulfilled. What he means? You know, by the time you come to the end of that chapter... It says, everyone, what verse is that when they want to kill him? Everyone. Verse 28. And all day in the synagogue, the entire church in the synagogue 
when they heard it, they were filled with wrath and rose up and thrust him out of the city and led him to the brow of the hill whereupon there the city was and that they might cast him down headlong. And he escaped. Ten more minutes of your time. I will skip from from all of these scriptures. There are eight particular scriptures I found this morning in the Bible, in the New Testament, where they try to kill him. But because of time, I'm going to deal with a few. You mean the Jesus? Yes, the Jesus came onto his own. Today, if we're proclaiming any other gospel contrary to what Jesus wants, we're indirectly rejecting him and trying to kill him. We can call ourselves whatever. The first church of Jesus Christ. The Jesus only movement. You call yourself whatever. If he does not approve your doctrine and your manner of life and what you associate with, you're despising his word and despising him. And he told his disciples, when you go out to preach, he that despiseth you, despiseth me, and he that receiveth you, receiveth me, and he that receiveth me, receive the Father that sent me. Jesus was finished with his ministry. He had just about 120. Where were the thousands that he fed fish and bread to? And in chapter 5 of John's Gospel, just a few verses here quickly. In verse 16, he did a miracle here. Paul of Bethesda, a man that was impotent. He healed the man, tell him to take up his bed and walk. Verse 8, rise up, take up your bed and walk. And you know some people at Pharisees, well, what's wrong with him? Don't you know it's a Sabbath day? He's going to tell a man. Jesus chose the Sabbath day to heal this man. He chose it. He had all these Pharisees. Sometimes I wonder... If we in gospel assembly churches are the Pharisees of the 21st century. Because even though we preach a gospel of holiness, we live contrary. Because we follow every sport arena. We follow all the, every pagan custom. Everything that they're doing out in society. We do it and we call this the body of Christ. You've got to be kidding We don't follow the world and follow the Lord the same way. I'm looking for true disciples of Jesus. Because my Lord suffered when he was on this earth. And if he had a human body, he'll be still suffering today. Because if he comes back and preach the gospel he preached 2,000 years ago, the churches of today's world including some of us, would come against him. Because he would not confirm to our traditionalism. If he comes in here, he tell me, get that cross down. He, come, he says, you mean you got a cross? Get it down. Let it be the cross in your life. 
I said, Lord, I don't have the money to get it down. As soon as we can get the money to take it down and fill that up with a nice curtain dropping down, I'll do it. I will. You want me to move this cross down quickly? Let me look at all you putting crosses on your neck. Then this gone so fast. But when he did heal this man on the Sabbath day, the religious element was against him. And they came and they said here in verse 16, And therefore did the Jews, God's people, the Jews sought to slay him because he had done these things on the Sabbath day. John chapter 5. Let's move over to John chapter 8. In John chapter 8, Jesus, crowds are believing on him. And then it says here in chapter 8, verse 30, And as he spake these words, many, everybody say many. Say it again. Many. Many believe on him. People run, you know. Well, I baptized 40 people today. I baptized 150. You might be ducking dry sinners down and bringing up wet sinners. That's all sometimes a baptism is. Put a dry sinner down, bring up back a wet sinner. A baptism indicates a change of your life. Death to the old, a resurrection to a new life. Anyways, uh, here it says, and many believed on him when they saw them, when they, when they heard his words. Isn't this wonderful? Then Jesus said to the Jews, you see, earlier when they believed in him and he preached the gospel contrary, we're going back there in a minute, they did not believe in him no more. So today, they're believing in him. Let me back up a little. Hold, hold, back up here to chapter 6. See, chapter 6, Jesus is talking about their fathers. And he stood up there and criticized their fathers. He says, verse 31, he says, our fathers. He says, our fathers did eat manna in the wilderness, and they're dead. Uh, God gave them bread from heaven. And he goes on, he says, he says, for the bread of God is he which cometh down. And he says, I'm really the bread. Uh, verse 35, he says, I'm the bread of life. What? You're Joseph's son. You what? You see, back there, we're not here today. We can really serve the historic Jesus. If we were there, we would serve. No, no, no. If you're here today and you can't serve God the way God wants you to serve, if you're back there, you'll crucify him. Discipleship has not changed. The demand for discipleship has not changed. Don't modernize God. He is not modern. He's the same old God. He says, I'm the Lord. I change not. Holiness is still holiness. We don't compromise our faith. And one day, people would leave the church because they don't really want to hear such preaching. You know what he's saying? I come to hear the nice Jesus, uh, a chocolate-coated message today. But you're preaching a hard gospel. Well, pray that I die soon. 
pray that Brother Sam don't follow my steps too close. Or Brother John. Somewhere down the line, brothers, I've got to prepare for the future. It's a fact. I've got to prepare for the future. I put that desk there because I can sit down and listen to you and hear you feel your spirit. And know if you've got what it takes to take the work of God on. I don't choose. God makes a choice. I'm not going to make a will and put who is to take over. That's God's choice. When I die, he makes a choice if you don't die before me. Now I say, God, we send some other ones in here. And when Jesus, here in chapter 6, chapter 5, he talks about the Father's will. And then chapter 6, you know, he tells them, here's something he's telling them. He says, he says, um, um, where is it? Chapter 6. Uh, John was a bright and shining light. He tells them, he says, I'm greater light than that of John. Uh, what? You, you condemning John? No, no, no. John was a bright light. I'm brighter light. See, for the work of God to go on, the persons God raised up to take the work of God on must show brighter light than what was shown in the past. If you're still in the past, join Apollos. We are to move on and light must be increased because darkness is becoming subtle. Don't live in the past. The past is a good place for reflection, but a bad place to live. Let's live today and face the reality of today. And he goes on here. He says, I have greater witness than that of John. And he says, you have near, he says, um, and the Father himself, which had sent me, verse 37, had borne witness of me. You have neither heard his voice nor seen his shape at any time. <clears throat> he says, um, he says, um, uh, it comes down further down in chapter 6. Uh, then in chapter 6, he made a statement here. He says, verse 49 of chapter 6, he says, your father, he says, I'm the bread of life, verse 48. He says, your fathers did eat, he doesn't say our father anymore. He says, your fathers did eat manna in the wilderness and are dead. He says, this is the bread. He's pointing to himself that came down from heaven. That if you, that you eat of me, you will never die. I'm the living bread which came down from heaven. If any man eat of this bread and he shall live forever. Now you're getting, you're getting too personal, Jesus. The same people are following him. They're there following him. And when he comes down, he says in verse 56, He that eateth my flesh and drinketh my blood dwelleth in me. Well, listen, Jesus, that's it, man. What's wrong with you? I'm going to follow you, but you want me to eat your flesh and drink your blood? I mean, you want my, me to follow your lifestyle? I got to live my own life, you know? So when he was done, it says at the end of that chapter, Verse 6 to 5, therefore said I unto you, no man can come to me except the Father touches his mind. See, if you're sitting in this congregation and the Father has touched your mind, you'll remain. If the Father has not touched your mind, you'd leave. And then Brother Singer's going to go in a corner and cry. No, I'm accustomed to that. I'm accustomed people praise me today and curse me tomorrow. I'm accustomed to that. I'm callous. No, I use the Bible example. 
if this was done to Jesus and this was done to Isaiah and this was done to Paul and this was done to every man of God, if I preach the truth, it will be done to me also. And he went on here, he says, when he said all of that, uh, verse 6 to 6 said, and from that time many of his disciples backslid. Read it. Many of his disciples, instead of went back, say backslid and walked no more with him. Church break up. The big church broke up. And all that was left was 12 men. You see, we're talking about this fantastic Jesus saving millions of people. Listen, the real Jesus did not save millions of people in his day. They persecuted him. They wanted to kill him. They wanted him dead. He was despised and rejected. Despised and rejected. Despised and rejected. And they left. And Jesus turned to Peter. Verse 668. Then Simon Peter. No he turned to 67. And Jesus said to the twelve. Look at that. Listen to listen to me. Twelve disciples with him, the big crowd, all start to go. And Jesus turned to Peter. He says, We lost it, man. Church break up. They did not have a big building like this. That they gotta pay the mortgage. They just had little meetings by the straight side of the road. But when a crowd walked out, Jesus looked at the twelve and he wanted to find out if the Father had touched their minds. He says, will you also go away? I begged them to stay. No, no, no. Not Jesus. Not Jesus. Not Brother Singh. Not Paul. Not Isaiah. Not any man that God has called would beg you to stay. You got to go. Then you got to go. They didn't like what he was telling them about the message he was preaching. The message Jesus preached was never liked by the non-elect. And Peter said, we can't go anywhere. He says, thou art the Christ. The son of the living God. If we're to be saved, Jesus, you're the one we've got to listen to. So in chapter 8... Uh, because the crowds left him here. And when he preached this message in chapter 8. Many believed on him. But the disciples were getting their hearts all excited. More coming back. They're coming back. Praise the Lord. Many are coming in. But guess what? They were coming in. Let's find out. So he's not going to wait three years to tell him anything. He's going to ask him a question right now. And he said here. And then Jesus said to the Jews, which believe on him, the ones that says, I believe God. He said to them, if you continue in my word, don't just believe. Continue in the things I preach. Don't say, well, I believe. I like the service. No, no, no. More than liking the service. Continue in the word I preach. He says, if you continue in my word... He says, and believe, if you continue my word, then are you my disciples indeed. And you will know the truth. And the truth will set you free. And you know, that create, create all the people that believed one moment, did not believe in five minutes. They said, what do you mean? 
know the truth and it will set us free. We're not in bondage. You know how many individuals go to church and don't realize they're in bondage? Bondage to traditions, bondage to philosophies, bondage to the world that is, has so many tentacles. By the time it was all over here, in chapter 8, they argue with him. They look at him and it says, we be not born of fornication. What are you? You see, they were believing, but they had something in the back of their minds. They knew that Mary got conceived before she was married. And they did not believe the Holy Ghost touched her. They believed she was a fornicator. So he was a seed of fornication. You'll be surprised to know, if you can read people's minds, you'll be surprised to know what they think of you. I'm so glad I'm not omniscient. So I can love you some more. And Jesus argued with them. He says, I'm not my father. He says, you think I'm a bastard child? He says, you're of your father, the devil. And then by the time this conversation was over, in verse 59, then took they up stones to cast at him, and Jesus hid himself. He had to run and hide. Everybody say run and hide. Well, he could have stand up there and just slay them all. No, no, no. He came to die, and it was not time to die. My friends, as you listen to me today, I want to tell you something. There's a spirit of Jesus that you must develop. And like Paul, desire that you might become acquainted and fellowship with his suffering. The Jesus I'm talking to you about was despised and rejected 2,000 years ago. And when he went back into heaven on the day of Pentecost, there was only about 120 left in the upper room. And the same Jesus has not changed. His church has the same, must have the same principles that he wants the church to have. And discipleship must be the same demands on God's people. Denying of self, taking up the cross, and following him. And for every minister, rejection is a part of the Spirit of Christ and his calling on your life. If every man loves you, woe unto you. Don't seek popularity. Don't seek fame. Don't use the Dale Carnegie method to win friends and influence people. Preach the word. And let God save the people. Let's pray. Father, we thank you today for another day in your house. Today in a particular way, Father, we want to thank you for our Lord and Savior Jesus. Thank you for his humility. We even thank you for the way he was rejected and still endured to the cross. He suffered greater than any one of us can suffer because he suffered even unto death. Father, 
help us to have the servant's heart that Jesus had, that we might serve thee even unto the end. For we ask this, Father, in Jesus' name, help us to be faithful, Father. Please, O God, we ask in Jesus' name. Amen and amen and amen.